0: this morning as we sang that song I stand in awe of you Though no, we are an image of that awesomeness God created us to reflect his goodness his beauty and so thanks again Gerardo and the team for leading us this morning I think we just got a glimpse again of the awesomeness of our God this morning and remember how you came to faith this morning why don't you just take a moment how did you come to faith what steps were part of your story of coming to Jesus and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not there you're just seeking you're exploring this Christianity thing but what led you to this point in your journey I would guess that it took some kind of movement, some thing, some step that someone had to make into your life, some conversation, some act of love, generosity. This morning, I want to talk about church as a movement. And I've been on this journey of exploring church as different things. And I suppose this message this morning will wrap up this series of church as different things. But the first stage, the first part of this series was church as a family. And I looked at what does it mean to be a family of brothers and sisters in Jesus. The second part of the series was looking at church as an intergenerational community. What does it mean to be young and old together on this journey of faith? But today, and perhaps there's more fire in my belly than ever before, is that I want to look at church as movement church as a movement because you know guys in the early days of church as we look at Acts 2 and onwards we see a dynamic church we see a church on the move we see followers of Jesus willing to lay their lives down for this message that Jesus is Lord that Jesus is the saviour of all The next slide is some of the reason why I was brought to this. Because you know in the year 100 AD, just 70 years after Jesus died, rose again and and went to heaven, you had just 25,000 Christians. It still seems like a lot, but compared to the Roman Empire, compared to that vast 4 million plus people in that area, it wasn't a lot. It was a minority for sure. And within 200 years, you had 20 million Jesus followers. You had this explosive movement. Some would even say, and these might be words that younger folk in this uh, room can relate to, you might say it went viral. (laughs) It went viral. But what made it go viral? What were some of the dynamics? What were some of the movements? Of the early church. And I'm going to just explore two with you this morning. And the first movement that we see in the early church was that they went out. They went out. They were a missional people. They were a people on mission. But what gave them the mission? Or probably more importantly, who gave them the mission? Well, we see in the words of Jesus in John 20 Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. See, this word mission, we've attached lots of baggage to it. We think mostly overseas, I think, these days with it. And it's all of that. But at its heart, mission, the root word in Latin, missio, means sending. That's where we get the word apostle from, the sent one. See, the early church were a sent people. They knew at the heart of what they were doing, of what they were about, was that they were sent into the world, just as the Father sent the Son. And in Matthew 28, we get a slightly different take on it, but much the same. It's these words, the last, final, and great commission, where Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The context of this commissioning is just the, the passage just before, or the verse just before, where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. In other words, I'm Lord, and therefore I want you to go out and spread that good news. And so, the next slide, we are to be a church that goes out, not a church that drags in. And I think some of the problem is we've been stuck in that paradigm of the go out and drag in model. And I'm not having a go at any church here, at all. But I think sometimes, next slide, We can be focused on crafting and curating these amazing experiences and these amazing events to drag people in. And all the while Jesus is saying, no, go. No, go. Go and spread the good news that I am Lord, that I have taken away the sin of the world. And so the church comes from the mission, and the mission comes from Jesus. And sometimes I think we flip that the other way around, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, most of all. I think sometimes we start with church. What's a better structure? What's a better formula? What's a better thing that we can do? And then we craft the mission around that, and then we co opt Jesus into that. And I think he's saying, no. Me, Jesus, I am Lord, and I give you a mission, and I say, Go. And the church forms around that. And yet, as I preach to myself, I think there's some real reasons why we have flipped it around. And one of the reasons is we're still stuck in this way of church that thinks the rest of the world is basically Christian and why aren't we still saying the Lord's Prayer in Parliament and we're sort of stuck in the Christendom era. The era where state and religion were together and it was a, a, a beautiful marriage and maybe not so beautiful at times, mostly. And, you know, in the year 30, 380 AD, we see Constantine saying, yep, Christianity, that's, that's across the board. That's for everyone. And it became, by edict, And we lost the sentness. We lost that radical mission which Jesus had given us. And we started to atrophy and fall into complacency. But you see, guys, this morning, these are exciting times that we live in. These are times where as cultural Christianity falls away, a true remnant is arising under Jesus, under the power of the Spirit. And it's a sent people. It's a people, again, reclaiming that actually we might live in a post-Christian world, but that is the very condition that the early church was part of. And that is where we saw viral growth and movement. You see, whether it's a church like this, with the old steeple on top and the rooster crowing on top, no, and you know, a little chapel look or whether it's a more modern look it doesn't really matter 90% of people in this neighbourhood in Aotearoa and in the western world for sure don't want a bar of the church building don't want to set foot in this place and so the question becomes what do we do? well we go out because Jesus said go Jesus said go second movement we see in the church in the early church is that they went in once they went out they had to become part of the culture now hear me right I'm not saying they started to do the things that the culture were doing but they had to become involved they had to put roots down deep into the neighbourhood and as some theologians would put it, they don't really like the word because it washes over us, but they became incarnational. And if the verse that gives us the missional impulse and movement is just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, then the verse that gives us the incarnational movement is this one. John 1 verse, verse 14. We probably know it well. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. Or in the message version, which I quite like, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Moved into the hood. I think that will speak to a few people today. Moved into Compton. Moved into the Bronx. Moved into Tohara. Moved into Tonga Street moved into the places and spaces that so often we don't want to go. And in Philippians 2 verse 7, it says, He, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You see, Jesus walked as a Jewish 30-something rabbi, male rabbi, you just take a moment. I need to take a moment on this too. The eternal Word of God, the Son of the Most High, became thoroughly Jewish. He became thoroughly Jewish. And why did he do that? He could have become a Roman and been in power. He could have become an African. He could have become an intellectual Greek-speaking you know, elite. But he came to the Jews because the Jews needed to hear the message. They needed the good news first. And then out of there came the rest of the world. You see, I think sometimes we're asking, what would Jesus do? And we need to ask the question instead, what would Jesus do if he were me in this time and in this place? Living in Taupo, New Zealand?" In 2019. At school, if that's where you're at. At university, if that's where you're at. At work, if that's the place and the time that you're in. In retirement, wherever you find yourself. This little quote, as I thought about these things, challenged me. It says that technology has cultivated a church experience that falsely transcends place. Translation, because there's some fancy words in there. Basically, we have started to create church environments that it wouldn't matter if you were in Topor, or in Vikarkal, or Azerbaijan, or China, or America, because technology has given us this ability to forget the ge- geography and the place and the time that we're in and that God has called us to incarnate into. And instead we, we create these places that can just seem nice, like an airport, you know, it's all nice. And it's actually not what he's called us to. You see, if in the world of real estate, location, location, location can be so important, then I think it's the same when it comes The gospel and being the church. That location, location, location. Where we are in this time and in this place. See, our shoes don't look like dusty first century rabbi shoes. They might look a little bit more like this. And the place we find ourselves might look a little bit more like the next one. This. Or Auckland. Or wherever you find yourself and so some questions that perhaps we could be asking ourselves in this community are ones like this what is the narrative what's the story or the stories of this place that people in Topo are asking and sharing what are the ethics How do people in Topor define success? What is it that makes them tick when they think about what makes the good life? Or associations? What power structures, what institutions shape identity and destiny in this place? And finally, rituals. What are those practices, what are those routines that define identity? people in this place and if you hadn't seen already sorry just last slide the four words there: narrative ethics associations rituals they spell near that we are called to draw near to those that God has placed us near to and as we begin to maybe ask some of these questions this is how we put flesh onto the gospel This is how we start putting skin and bone onto the gospel. It's not to water it down. It's not to make it palatable necessarily. But it is like Jesus to become thoroughly Jewish, to become thoroughly topor in our practice and in our outworking of the gospel. You see as we begin to go out and as we begin to go in God by his spirit is going to use us in mighty ways because these are the very things he's asked us to do but you may be asking the question you may be asking okay these are great ideas going out going in missional, incarnational, great. But what, what could that look like? I mean, what does that actually look like in practice? And this is a thought of an idea that I've been thinking for a while, and it's by no means novel. There's a bunch of different um, faith communities that are beginning to, I guess, go down this this track, But it's this idea of missional community. Missional community, sent community. And what is this? It is a community of Jesus followers that live on mission together to reach a particular group or network of people. See, our model tends to be the small group model and I'm not bagging that. I just think that's cool and that's great. Bible study and discipleship. It's all good stuff. But this missional community is going, the community that forms is one that forms around mission. That actually just as the early church and just as other churches that are going viral form their community around a purpose and around a mission. So this idea of the missional community is about not just inward, not just feeding, but about being sent, about going out. And some, including myself, I've critiqued this and I've gone, but what about fellowship? But what about intimacy? Won't that be lost if we were to start being more missional in our small groups or in our home groups? And one picture that... I came across was from Lord of the Rings, you know, just something to to, uh, illuminate what this could look like, (laughs) and uh, none of us are dwarves or elves or wizards in this place, but uh, this idea that these guys were a random bunch to bring together, you know, in the story of Tolkien, you know, dwarves, and I think hobbits or elves, one of the two, just don't get along, right? Like it's not the kind of community you think, Oh, that, that makes sense. Let's pull them together. But Alan Hirsch, in thinking of this illustration, says this, the members of the fellowship are bound to one another and they truly find one another in the context of an arduous but common mission. You see, community actually happens best when we're on mission, community happens best when we're on mission, when we're being sent, when we're incarnating ourselves into the community around us. And okay, so that's uh, that's an illustration from Middle Earth. Good one, Mike. What about like a real life one? <laughs> well, here's here's a real life one, and again, it's in an urban context. This is different, but in Auckland, there's a missional community known as Mosaic Community. They're based in Morningside, and they've been going for a number of years. And as they came together and thought, who are we here to reach? They really just got the heart for their suburb, for their community around them. And they came together and they started a cafe called Crave Cafe. And this cafe is now seeing hundreds through the door. And in 2010, they thought, hey, cafe is great, but what else can we do? What else can we do to bring goodness and the good news of Jesus to this neighborhood? And they started a street party. And it might sound like nothing much. They put a pig on a spit. And there's actually an article about it in the Baptist magazine this month. But Blue Bradley, one of the guys involved in this uh, of community and who is, happens to uh, lead Easter camp, the northern Easter camp, he just talks about, hey, you know, it seemed like nothing at all. It was just a simple coming together around food and fellowship. But to this day, it's going strong. The street party sees anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people coming through. And they're beginning to rub shoulders with people that would otherwise not step foot in a church but they're starting to sow seeds and they're starting to see the gospel spread as they incarnate and as they go out you know as we think about what could it look like for us I'm thinking of you I'm thinking of faces in this room I'm thinking of small group leaders that are in a specific time and place in this neighbourhood What could you do? What might God want to be doing in and through your community in this hour? Maybe it's starting to open up your doors. Maybe it's like a young couple in this church that put on a street party every Christmas. Maybe it's, hey, I'm already into golf or I'm already into fishing. Maybe I'll start a fishing group And that's just a little door opening to other guys in this neighbourhood that could get involved. They may never step foot in this foyer. They may never dream of going to church. But maybe they would dream of going on a hunting trip or a fishing trip. You see, as we end, this quote here really sums it up. It says that the movemental church, or a church that moves, must be grounded in concrete ways. God was place-based when Jesus moved into Nazareth. Therefore, our churches too should be place-based, having a vision for the microspaces of a neighbourhood, the places where marginalised people, forgotten people, people not interested in a slick worship service fall through the cracks. Movements do not stay bottled up in buildings. They move into the streets. The church as movement is an incarnational Movement. And so, to sum it up this morning, to go out is to know that we are not of this world. It's a common saying, isn't it? How do we be in the world but not of the world? In the world but not of the world. Well, our sentness, that movement of going out, of being on mission is a reminder to us that we are not of this world, that we are called from above, that God has grabbed hold of our lives, taken us out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and he has sent us on mission. But then, as we go in, that is how we be in the world. That is how we be local. That is how we start to put flesh and blood onto what might otherwise seem like just an otherworldly thing. And as we do this, my prayer is that we would become viral, like a virus, <laughs> that we would in going out and in going in that it was almost like we would sneeze upon people <laughs> and, and 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 they would sneeze upon others. <laughs> Lovely metaphor, isn't it? Some things you just can't unsee. But, um, <laughs> but honestly, that, that God, we might become a people that take, take this message because in this message, it's enough. So why don't you just bow your head and, and I just want to pray, Lord. This morning... We just want to hear the call again. We want to hear your words that say, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We want to hear your words go into all the world and make disciples. But we also want to hear your words that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see the things that break your heart in this town. That you begin to give us ideas in our small group communities, in our other gatherings, Lord, about how we can be on mission in ways that relate to those around us. God, begin to stir up the movement that your church has always been called to be. Father, that this church, Topal Baptist Church, might be one that's not seen as locked up in a building, but is spreading in love to this community. Oh God, we just hunger and thirst for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth, as it is being done right now in heaven. We ask and we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.